that last one, she knew. She knew. She was looking at the camera. She knew she had a plan up her sleeve, which is what we're going to be talking about this morning as a plan. A couple weeks ago, uh, Pastor Micah shared with us about how when Jesus was here on this earth, he, uh, everything he did was based on his values of love God, love others. And so uh, it was an encouragement to live this new year with the values that would drive us. And then uh, two or three weeks ago, whatever it was, we talked about how uh, there's a mission that God has for each one of us to fulfill. Uh, there's based on the great commitment and the great, or sorry, great commandment and the great commission uh, that we are to. This life is about nothing more than to have a loving relationship with Jesus Christ, who will enjoy for all eternity. So every year, your goal should be to know Christ more. Paul talks about this in Philippians three. He says, "I want to know Christ. That's my goal. Uh, to press on towards that goal as I move towards heaven someday. I, I want to know Christ." more. Uh, the other goal that everybody should have every single year, and that is to continue to share the message of Jesus Christ with other people, because that, after all, is the Great Commission, to go in all the world. And you are here in Virginia Beach, and so both here in Virginia Beach and around the world, to be able to share Christ with others. Uh, I also mentioned uh, that week, a couple weeks ago that to think of at least three other things to pursue this year, uh, from whether it be a family goal, marriage goal, uh, relationship goal, friendship goal, career development, personal growth, finances, health, something else uh, besides those two uh, that you would make a point to pursue this year. Now, how many of y'all did that? How many of y'all wrote it down? Couple. All right, we'll get back to that concept here in a minute. How many of y'all think I should even continue speaking since nobody ever does what I ask? Anyways, um, these slight discouragements that come on the back door of certain things. Uh, hey, if you don't want to know, don't ask the questions, right? Um, I, what I want to talk to you about this morning is taking these values and taking uh, these goals or missions uh, that you want to accomplish this year and developing a plan for that for this coming year. Now, before you start to think about plans and planning and goal setting and those kind of things as being something that, that better belongs in the self-help section of the library or in the business tools and really doesn't belong in church because, you know, after all, I'm just sick and tired of self-help and business tools invading the church. And you just need to be talking about God and Jesus and nothing else. Let me just pause for a minute and remind you, goal setting and planning is a spiritual discipline, just like prayer and fasting and Bible reading. It is a spiritual discipline. Uh, God is all about making plans. If you look through the scriptures, you'll see uh, God planning out. By the way, just do a study of the, the phrase, just the right time. Uh, there's like 30 or 40 times where it says, and at just the right time, God sent a son. And at just the right time, he revealed it. And at just, what does he mean when he says in just the right time? It's almost like as if he planned it, yeah. I mean, after all, people often say things like, well, everything happens for a reason. Yeah, it's almost like as if because God planned it to happen that way. Uh, over in First um, Peter 1.18, he says, before the foundations of the world, God had planned to redeem the world through Jesus Christ. In other words, before he ever created the world, he knew that he was going to send his son, Jesus Christ, one day to redeem the world. He knew that we would sin. He knew we would make a mistake. He knew that there would have to be a plan for redemption. So he already had planned for redemption before he ever created the world. Uh, also, it says over in Romans chapter 8, as well as Ephesians chapter 1, that God had planned before the foundations of the world that you would become more like Jesus Christ. His goal, his desire for humanity is that we would be like Jesus Christ. If you want to live a perfect life and navigate this world to perfection, what you would do is you would do it in the same way Jesus did. Jesus conquered this world. He mastered this world. He mastered life. And if we were you know, to, to fill out whatever God's vision for us would be, that would be to do it like Jesus did it. And by the way, all these verses are up there on the screen. If you want to take a picture of that, look at them later. 
Um, God also planned before the foundations of the world uh, that at just the right time, he bring everything together under the authority of Christ. So the first two I mentioned has already happened. He planned to redeem the world to Jesus Christ. He planned to send Jesus Christ. And he planned for you to be like Jesus Christ. It also says over in Ephesians 1.10 that in the future, God's plan is that at every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. In other words, one day, everybody will recognize the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So we often say it this way. This life is about nothing more than have a loving relationship that you will grow in, learn in, share in, develop in uh, with Jesus Christ that you can enjoy for all eternity. Because either you're going to enjoy that relationship for all eternity, or you're going to have to deal with that relationship for all eternity. I'm going to take the enjoy route. I don't know about you, but I'm going to take the enjoy route. Because Jesus Christ, everybody one day will recognize he truly is Lord and King. It's a whole lot better to be friends with a king than at odds with a king. And so that's going to happen at some point. Uh, we also know from other passages in Scripture, like Jeremiah 29, 11, right at a time when it seems like as if all hope is lost, God has probably lost control, he's probably given up on us. Uh, when the people were being sent off into captivity and they had lost their nation, they had lost everything they held, held dear, everything they thought God was doing, God steps in in Jeremiah 29, 11 and says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans not to harm you, plans to prosper you, to give you hope in the future. In other words, God says, I've got plans. I'm still working out my plan. You may not know what my plan is, but I can just assure you I have a plan. So the next time somebody comes to you and says something that sounds so ultra-spiritual, well, you know, I just need to let go and let God and just, you know, I don't want to have plans. I just want God to work out his plan for my life. File that in the category of things that may sound spiritual, but are really stupid and unbiblical. Or maybe I should say are uninformed, because stupid sounds bad. But anyways, it's not spiritual. It's uninformed at best and unbiblical uh, in reality. Uh, It has nothing to do with what you see in Scripture. Um, God has a plan to redeem all of humanity. Do you know what a key part of that plan is? You telling people about Jesus. That's a key part of his plan. Paul takes that. That's why I said, you know, his plan for you every single year is to get to know him better and to share Jesus. Paul takes this idea, and over in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, my life is about this plan. I am on mission to let the world know about it. The disciples got together and were like, well, I don't know if we should go beyond Judea. You know, I don't know if we should tell the people about Jesus that they aren't Jews. Paul says, okay, fine. You guys stay here. I'll take the rest of the world. We'll just split the world up in, you know, in halves. You guys take the half that is Jerusalem. I'll take the half that is the rest of the world. Okay, no problem. How am I going to do that? Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, I go about it in the same way a runner uh, competes to win a race. I'm not out there just lollygagging around. By the way, a couple years ago, I signed up to do a mud run, and I wanted to get in shape. This is this kind of comes back later. I wanted to get in shape, and so I signed up for a mud run, and it was kind of midsummer, and so I found one that wasn't you know happening for like six months or so, not thinking about the fact that that would be late November. Eh, probably better planning would have been good, uh, which wouldn't have been quite so bad because I'm thinking to myself, mud run. You know, you're not going to get all that wet. You know, even if it's cold out. I didn't realize obstacle number three was to be fully submersed underwater and then crawl on your belly through mud. I didn't realize that was obstacle number three. But anyways, neither here nor there. Um, I thought that when you did a, one of these races, you were actually trying to like go as fast as you can. I had no idea what I was in for. There were people showing up in superhero costumes and tutus and dresses. There was one group of ladies who actually walked the thing with cocktails in hand. And I'm like, no, we're, I thought we were out here trying to win this thing. And like, cause there was like a competitive group. I didn't realize that like, cause I thought, you know, competitive people, these people are like circuit trained for this. No, no, no. If you actually want to run through these obstacles with any kind of speed, you have to go in the first group. Cause I'm back here with, you know, trying to avoid all these, you know, people lollygagging and goofing around. Um, I ended up coming like, I think fourth in my age group. So I was pretty happy for a 40 year old guy. The guy I was with finished first. 
which is pretty impressive until you realize he signed up as a 55-year-old woman. But hey, <laughs> turns out he was kind of ahead of his time. I think, anyways, um, anyways, moving on. Um, some of y'all get that, some of y'all don't. Some of you are like, oh, yeah. Quit bringing reality in this. Let's just move on. All right. But Paul says, listen, I'm running a race to win. I'm, for me, this is like an Olympic event, not like some mud run that you're entering in in the fourth heat of the day carrying cocktails dressed up like Wonder Woman. That's not what I'm about here. I'm trying to win this darn thing. He says, I go about evangelism the same way a fighter prepares for a fight. You go into training for these kind of things. And if you ever look at a, at, at a serious runner, they have a schedule that they follow. They plan out their runs so that they'll be at peak performance on marathon day. You don't run a marathon the day before you run a marathon, but you've got to be prepared to run a marathon, right? And so there's actually this whole scientific regimen that you work through that you can build up. And here's the thing. If you ever, sometimes just for fun of it, Google amazing marathon stories, you will read some of the most inspirational things ever. You'll read about people who couldn't walk who run a marathon. You'll read about people who are in their late 80s and 90s who run a marathon. One of the stories I was reading about prepping for this was there was a heart doctor and a patient. He was morbidly obese, uh, had a major heart attack, had to have bypass surgery. And he looked at the doctor and he says, I'm going to get out of this bed and I'm going to run a marathon. The doctor looked at him, kind of laughed. and He says, well, if you do it, I'll do it with you. And sure enough, the whole story is about how these two went and ran a marathon together. There's another story in there you'll read about of a guy with one leg who, did he run a marathon? Did he, I don't know. He, 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 he completed a marathon. I'm sorry. Oh, I know. It was bad. Well, I'm sorry. He, he completed far better than I could have done too. Yeah. So he completed a marathon. Uh, there's somebody else who had a disabled son and he pushed his son through a marathon. Some of y'all have already tuned out. I'm sorry. I apologize. Um, <laughs> things I wonder. Anyways, um, Amazing stories, but you don't do that without a plan. You don't just wake up and say, you know, I'm going to run a marathon tomorrow. You can't do it. It can't do it without a plan. God plans, we need to plan. In the same way that Paul says, I've got a plan for evangelism, God says, I want you to have a plan for your life and what you're going to do. Just the idea that you would just sit here and exist and expect something to happen as a result doesn't work. It's not what God wants you to do. That is not spiritual. That is not godly. That is not biblical. You need to have a plan in the same way that God has a plan. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16 says this, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Uh, I, started, I was kind of thinking through this verse, how to explain it, and I just started writing down other ways to sort of say the same thing. Like, what is God trying to communicate when he says, make the most of every opportunity, uh, for the days are evil? What is he saying in that? Uh, it, the, the same concept is, Without a plan, you're going to waste your life because the days will get away from you. Is that fair? I mean, a lot of these things we know already. Uh, you don't drift towards good results. Um, the current of life is going to take you where you don't want to go. You don't drift towards good results. The current of life is going to take you where you don't want to go. Why? Because the days are evil. It moves in that direction. It moves you away from where you want to be. Um, the good goals you want to see happen don't just happen because you want them to happen. They happen because you plan for them to happen. Uh, Pastor Chris has said over and over and over again, uh, intentional living leads to intentional results. Unintended living leads to unintended results. Why? Because you need to make the most of every opportunity. Because the days are evil. So you've got to plan for this. You've got to make the most of every opportunity. Gardens don't get better with neglect, right? You don't just plant some seeds in the ground, come back six months, and have food that I wouldn't eat anyway. But you don't, you don't have that. 
Or I should say, you don't have food that you could feed to your pig that would be delicious someday, right? You don't, you don't have that with neglect. Marriages don't get better without investing in them. Um, uh, uh, where else we have? You don't get physically better without an intentional plan to get physically better or physically healthy. You will not become more like Jesus Christ without exercising spiritual disciplines in your life. It just doesn't happen. You don't just say, well, I want to get closer to Jesus this year, and then just you know, magically have that happen. God doesn't just sprinkle pixie dust on you and all of a sudden make you closer to him. It's because you've been planning to do some spiritual disciplines in your life. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. There is a gravitational pull towards evil, towards things that are uh, messed up. There is a gravitational pull towards things unwinding, towards things not getting any better. That's going to get worse unless you plan for them to get better, is what it's saying here. So how do we do this? Well, what is a plan? It's basically a dream with a deadline. It's one of the best quotes I remember reading through this. Uh, it's a dream with a deadline. Basically, you look at your mission statement from a couple weeks ago, or missions that you said, these are the things I want to accomplish this year. Now put a deadline on it. Uh, so go back and look at what you wrote down. Assuming you wrote it down. We'll get to that in a second. So take those things. I want to get closer to Jesus. I want to tell people about Jesus. And these three other things I want to accomplish. And add a deadline to it. And when you're adding a deadline, you need to add some specificity. That's the word we have. Specificity? Did I say it right? Y'all are laughing at me like I messed it up. But you can't say it any better. All right. Specificity. Um, yes. Add that to that. In other words, don't just say, I want to get healthier. Put something like, I want to run a 5K by the end of the year. Like when I signed up for that mud run in November, I was in no shape to be running a mud run in November. So what did I have to do? I had to get in shape to do that. Now, you know what happened? I got healthier. So you're putting some specifics with a deadline on when it's going to happen. I want to be in a better financial position this time next year. No, I want to be debt-free in 2023. That's specificity with a deadline. God does the very same thing. You know that? He says that you were placed on this earth at just the right time so that you have the best opportunity to hear about Jesus Christ. Read that. It says in uh, Acts chapter 17, verse 25 through 26. God places every single person at just the right place in the world at just the right time so that you have the best opportunity to hear about Jesus Christ. And I always say, and I am so thankful that he put me in America in an era where there was indoor plumbing and air conditioning. Because... As beautiful as those castles over in England are, they have no indoor plumbing and they have no air conditioning, and so I'd much rather take my apartment than that castle over in England. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right. Um, so add some specificity to it. Um, for instance, I want to get closer to God. Well, what would that look like? What do you mean, get closer to God? What would you do to get closer to God this year? Well, maybe that means uh, I'm going to read all four Gospels four times over the course of the year. So I'll read through you know, each one of the Gospels uh, in one month. I'll read through one of the Gospels, and I'll do that four times over the course of the year. Um, uh, I want to be, you know, the evangelistic goal where I want to share Jesus. Why don't you just move that down to, I want to see Bob come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's it. I want Who's Bob? I don't care who Bob, whoever Bob is. Bob, whoever Bob is to you, uh, tell Bob. Now, here's the thing about this. When you set these goals and put a deadline on it, immediately you'll have a panic of fear shoot through your body, Right? Because as long as a goal doesn't have anything specific and doesn't have a deadline, it's like, yeah, this would be wonderful. This would be great. Wouldn't it be wonderful to be in a better place financially and be healthier and closer to God? I would love that. And then when somebody says debt-free in 2023, you're like, oh. there's a ping of fear that gets shot through your soul when you put a deadline on it and you get specific. And that needs to happen. Here's the thing that happens. 
this gives you an opportunity to stretch your faith. Without a plan or a goal, it's li- unlikely you will ever have your faith stretched. It's not until you attempt something that God has the opportunity to stretch your faith. So you might say, and, and with your goals, you may have your goal, and then you might have a, and what would happen if God intervened? Uh, there's this great story over, I should have looked it up in between service, because I thought about it last service. It's, um, it's over in the Old Testament, and <laughs> I think specifically it's 1 Samuel 16 or so, where Jonathan sets out, and he's like, you know, there's only two swords in the whole Israelite army because we don't have the capacity to make swords, and we've got an enemy that's coming against us. He says, nothing can hinder the Lord from acting in a miraculous way, whether by many or by few, the Lord can save. And he says, so he says, perhaps God will help me. And so he sets out on his own with just his armor bearer to take on the entire Philistine army. I don't know if that's a good plan, bad plan, but I'll tell you this. He was creating an opportunity for God to act on his behalf. So you might have his, you say, I'm going to be debt-free in 2023. What would happen if God were to intervene? Because Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says, God is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. What if God got us debt-free in six months? What if God got us debt-free and we could double our giving in six months? God can do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. But first you have to what? Ask or imagine. If you ask or imagine nothing, well, how can God ever do immeasurably more than anything? More of zero is zero, Right? You have to ask or imagine something of God to say, God, this is something I want to see happen in my life. Uh, I want to get closer to you, and you'll begin to see just how close to God you can get. You might say, God, I want to see Bob come to have a relationship with you. What could happen if God intervened? Bob, his whole family, and six of his coworkers will all come to know a relationship with you. That's what could happen when God can intervene. So setting goals with deadlines has the opportunity to stretch your faith in ways that would never otherwise get stretched before. So you've got to have a clear goal with a deadline and create an opportunity for God to stretch your faith. So this is, what I'm, this is what I think I could accomplish. And then maybe below it you'd say, I'm looking forward to see what God can do immeasurably more. Or if God intervenes, this could happen also. Uh, by the way, I, I've said before, when we first started this church, the only goal we had was that we would reach 200 within two years. And the reason why is because studies have consistently shown that if a church never, if the church doesn't reach 200 within two years, there's a less than 10% chance it ever will in its entire history from that point forward. And when you're less than 200, it's really hard to have a youth group, and I want to be able to have a youth group for, for our kids. And it's really hard to have a consistent kids program because it's hard enough to have enough people. There's, there's so many things that are hard to do as a small church, not to mention the fact that we're in a Navy town, and at any given time, God can take half of our church and move them. And I was at a church plant here in Virginia Beach, and that's exactly what happened. That's what killed it. Over 30% of the church, the Navy said, oh, we want them somewhere else, and he moved them. And, and, and the church was almost gone right when that happened. And so I wanted a church that was Navy-proof, and, <laughs> um, and could be able to be a sustained influence here in Virginia Beach. Now, God can do far more than we ever ask or imagine. That was the only goal we had. And that was within two years. Within 11 months, we hit that goal, and we have never looked back. And every goal we've ever set has been met or exceeded. Why? Because God can do more than we ever ask or imagine. Um, I could go into all our church goals, but this isn't about our church goals. It's about your goals, what, what God wants for you and your life this morning, so let me move on. Um, second thing is, so be specific, put a deadline. Second thing is write it down. How many of y'all wrote down what your visions or your missions was for this year? How many, anybody write it down? A couple, three? Uh, they did a study back in 1979 at Harvard Business School. And they asked the question, uh, how many of you all have specific goals that you've written down that you want to achieve in your life? Uh, When they asked that question, uh, 3% of the room had written them down. 
Uh, another, I think it was 12% of the room, or maybe 13% of the room, had some goals but hadn't written them down. The other 84% didn't have any goals, hadn't written them down. They went back, found these same students 10 years later to follow up on the study, and here's what they found. Of the 12, 13% that had goals but hadn't written them down, they were earning on average twice as much as the other 84%. And here's where it gets crazy. Of the 3% that wrote down their goals, they were earning 10 times the other 97% of their classmates combined. Let that sink in. Now, is this about getting more money in financial? No, no, I just want you to see the results. The results were just from writing it down. Why? Because when you write something down, it is a psychoneuromotor activity, according to the smart people. Because what's that, what that's basically a fancy way of saying what's happening is you are programming the hard drive of your brain to know this and remember it. Because you're doing three things are happening when you write something down. You see it, you're audibly saying it to yourself as you're writing it, and you're physically writing it. And that's a way to permanently store this in your brain. They've also done these studies where people would write down goals, and they would follow up with these people 20 years later and see that they met those goals, even though they have no idea where they wrote those things down. And some people, like, you know, they'll pull out, and like, oh, I found these goals from 15 years ago, and oh my gosh, I've, I've met almost every one of these. Why? Because it hardwires it into your brain. Do you realize God asks people to write stuff down over and over and over again in scriptures? He gives Habakkuk a vision in chapter 2 when he says, write this down so everybody can see it. Uh, one of the interesting things, uh, the kings in the Old Testament were failures. Every one of them failed. Every one of them messed up. Even the best of them, David, was a sto- series of failures. And the rest of them were far, far worse than David. What's really interesting is that none of the kings, anywhere that I can see recorded, ever did one of the first things God wants kings to do. If you go back to Deuteronomy 17, through Moses, God says, okay, when you appoint a king, what I want them to do is I want them to take a scroll of the law and I want them to write down their own copy of it. In other words, I want them to handwrite a copy of the Bible for themselves. What do you think that that would do for somebody if they, for, what would it do for you if you handwrote a copy of the book of Luke? Do you think maybe you might be able to recall the book of Luke better than you ever had before? What if you did that with the whole Bible? What God wanted the kings to do was to handwrite their own copy of the first five books of the Bible. None of them ever did it, and none of them ever were all that successful. Huh, I wonder if there is a connection. Some of these things seem to come together. So, get specific and set, set some due dates, but most importantly, write it down. Let me ask you a pause. How many of y'all have pulled out your phone right now and written anything down? Why do I even bother doing this week after week? Okay, pull your phones out, please. I don't care if you ignore everything else I say for the rest of this morning and just write this stuff down. Why? Because you have a chance of being 10 times more productive than everybody else in the room combined if you just write it down. So why wouldn't you just write it down? Write down one is a specific goal that, you, that will help you know Christ more whether that be reading your Bible more, praying more, whatever it might be, just a specific, measurable goal with a due date. Uh, I will pray every day the first thing I, I do when I wake up, you know, this year, whatever it might be. Specific goal for I want to see Bob have a relationship with Jesus Christ by the end of the year. Number three, a health goal, whatever else, give us something specific on it. You can hone these in over, over the next week or so, but write these things down. Next after that is um, put something on the plot. That's my best way of, it's the way I remember it for myself. Basically, uh, break it up into some bite-sized chunks. Uh, Rome wasn't built in a day, right? 
Uh, in the same way, I built a house with my own two hands. How? One step at a time, right? Uh, in other words, you know, step one, get a survey of the land. Step two, do a soil sample. Step three, get a permit. Step four, find a contractor, right? Building a house was step by step by step by step. So this week, my to-do list isn't build a house. My to-do week is get a survey, right? So I got to think about what are these steps that will lead to this happening? So maybe if your plan is to run a, run a 5K by November, what might be a step along that way? I don't know. Walking a quarter mile, because I'm not sure I can even pull that feet off, right? So walk a quarter mile. Be able to walk a mile without getting winded. Be able to do the sort of run. You know where people do this? <laughs> it's not rocking, but it's kind of like I'm running. I'm not really running. I just kind of like convince myself I'm running, right? It's funny, but hey, if you're not a runner, that's a big deal, is it not? Right? For the guy who had a heart attack and was laying in bed and wondering a marathon, that would have been a pretty big step, wouldn't it? And if you saw the opening picture that I first saw of the doctor with, you know, hovering over his patient just had bypass surgery, you look at this guy and there's no way he could ever run a marathon. Maybe that could be said about you, but maybe you can. Okay? So what are the bite-sized steps that's going to make that happen along the way? Um, for instance, let's just say you want to be debt-free. What are some elements of that? Oh, I don't know. Get a budget. Well, how are you going to get a budget if you don't know how much you make or how much you spend? So maybe step one is to track my expenses for the first month. And over that time, you realize, wow, we're spending a ton of money on food, Right? Maybe what we need to start doing, maybe one of our steps each week is to plan out our meals, maybe cut some coupons, talk to somebody who's better shopping, maybe buy a chicken or something like that. So um, that's a money-making opportunity right there. If you're coding and zoning well out. Anyways, um, you know, more income. Do I need to, you know, try to get a raise, get a new job, get a second job? You, know, you can be looking at these things. So what are the steps that will lead to, it's not just going to happen miraculously. You've got to have steps along the way. The question is, what are those steps? You know, what, what do I need to do? You, you don't write a novel in one day, but every day you've got to put something on the plot, okay? So uh, I need to figure out what I'm going to do and when I'm going to do it by. Uh, I need to write it down. You know, what are the bite-sized steps in it? And then next of all is, each week, what's my weekly plan? What's my weekly plan um, that you would just write down? This is what I'm going to do. Um, you know, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm going to exercise for 30 minutes. Uh, I'm going to track my calorie intake. Uh, I'm going to read one chapter a day uh, in one of the Gospels because I want to read through all four Gospels four times over the course of a year, so that means it'd be one chapter a day. Uh, I'm going to pray for Bob every morning. I want to see Bob come to know know, relations with Jesus Christ, so I'm going to pray for Bob every single morning. Every single morning I'm going to pray for Bob. So what are the bite-sized steps that you're going to now put into your daily plan? Now, this is the principle, you're leveraging the principle of sowing and reaping from Galatians chapter 6. You will reap what you sow. Now, do you sow a house? No. You nail a board, okay? You plant a seed. When you plant a seed, do you get back a seed? No, you get back a tree, right? But you don't get a tree without first planting a seed. And so what's going to happen is the stuff on your weekly list don't look like a whole lot. You don't see anything resulting of it. And just because I could walk, you know, a quarter of a mile doesn't make me feel like I'm running a marathon. But you know something? That's the first step in the process to running a marathon, right? So every single week, what can I do to make progress towards this goal? Like one of your goals might be to, uh, maybe one of your big mission statements was to um, build, you know, better relation or restore the relationships in my own family, right? So that may come down to this a weekly goal for you might be um, 30 minutes every week 
I'll spend at least 30 minutes with one family member. Well, why not every family member? Because right now you're not doing anything, right? So maybe right now your only goal is to find one family member where you're going to spend 30 minutes of, of undevo- you know, undevoted, un- undistracted time with, right? Do you think that will pay off over the course of a year? No? Spend some time with him. He needs some help. Um, <laughs> you're loved, man. You're loved. Um, so you need to schedule it out. But here's one of the most important things about your schedule. Whatever the first day of the week for you is, whether it's Sunday or Monday, uh, you need to evaluate your schedule, okay? So for some of these things, which are, like if you're building a house, what you're doing that week to build the house changes every week, right? You get your to-do list. This is what I need to do this week to see that happen. Uh, other thing you can do is you can evaluate your how you did this past week. You know, did I stay within the budget I had for this week? Did I stay within my calorie count this week? Did I go three for three on working out this week? Did I go five for five on reading my Bible every day? You know, how did I do this past week? Um, and then look, what do I need to tweak or adjust or change for this coming week? And so every single week, by rereading your goals and rereading your progress, it's always in the front of your mind. Now, here's what this has done for me. Uh, I started doing this, and three different nights this week, I was doing something at 8 o'clock at night I, I would not have been doing otherwise. I painted my garage floor one night. I was exercising one night. Uh, why? Because everything else got in the way that day. But I had a plan where I'd committed I was going to work out for 30 minutes. And normally, I just would have been in bed. And one of my plans was, you know, I had, I'm, I'm re, re, reorganizing my garage. And I had a to-do list to make that happen. One of them was get the garage floor painted that day. And it didn't even get done because I had six other things I had to get done that I wasn't expecting. So you know what? It was going to get done. It was going to get done that night. I never would have done that if I didn't have this planned out, right? Um, so set a time, write it down, put something on the plot, schedule it out. And here's lastly, tell somebody about it. Invite somebody in on this. Um, when you tell somebody about what your plans are, what happens? Accountability and hopefully also encouragement, right? It's always good when somebody can give you both. Accountability with no encouragement kind of stinks, right? No. How you doing on that goal? Doesn't look like you're making much progress. I didn't see you working out the other day. Um, that's accountability, right? Accountability with encouragement is, hey, come on now, you can do this. You said you're going to do this. Get your butt up out of bed and go down and work out, right? That's, that's accountability with encouragement. Um, so hopefully you'll have somebody who can give you accountability plus encouragement. I'm not sure about that guy over there. Find somebody else. Um, <laughs> Hey, he's not encouraging me right now, so I'm not sure. Anyways, um, and then and other piece of this is find a group that you can do this with. Find a group you can do this with. Now, we can help you with that. We have more groups being offered right now through Essential Church than we've ever had in our entire history uh, as a church. Uh, I'm really proud of our team for doing this, Pastor Chris and everybody else for working this out. Uh, and there are lots of groups, depending on what you want to do. Uh, if you want to get your finances in order, there's a financial peace uh, group for that. If you want to get your marriage straight, we've got marriage groups for that. Uh, if you want to learn more about the Bible, get closer to God, we've got men's groups, women's groups uh, for that. You can look on the calendar uh, for that. If you've got a hurt habit or hang-up you want to deal with, come Wednesday night, we've got a group for that. Uh, if, either, if you want to adopt or uh, take care of foster children, we've got a group for that. You want to have some career goals objective uh, that you'd like to achieve, we've got some groups for that. Uh, we've got groups for just about everything. And if we don't have a group for it, start your own. Start what we call a table group. That's where you get together with two or three other people and you meet together once a week, every other week, once a month, and you're just challenging and encouraging each other on what your goals are. 
Uh, and it's real simple to do. It doesn't have to be super formal. It's just, hey, you know, find three other people that have the same goal as you. Might be the same people who sign up for the 5K with you. Say, hey, we're going to get together and, you know, we're going to go exercise once a month together while we talk about our goals. Um, whatever it might be, find a group. You are two times, you're at least twice as more likely to accomplish your goal if you do it with somebody else. So if you write it down, you're exponentially ahead. And then if you get in a group, you can double your chances on top of that. So why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? God has a purpose and a plan for your life. His hope is that you do too. That you do too. That you wouldn't just exist and allow life to happen. Because his plan to redeem all of humanity runs straight through you. That you would go into all this world. That you'd become like Jesus Christ. Be his representative. Become more like him. You won't do that without setting a goal and a plan. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your grace over us, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity we have to allow our faith to be stretched in this process. God, I'm looking forward to hearing the stories of what you can do immeasurably more than all that we could ask or imagine. So may we set out some goals to know you more. To see people come into a relationship with you that don't know you right now. And for us to grow and develop into the person that you want us to be. So we might have stronger marriages, stronger families. Be able to give to your mission. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.